0: Good morning. Some, sometimes hard things happen that change our, changes our lives forever. And fortunately, our God is in the business of forever. He is near and within his people to comfort, strengthen, and help us go on. And to help us help others who go through similar hard life changing experiences. Jesus came to bind up the broken hearted, as it says in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1. And we work with him, this ministry of his, all together. Paul Burston will be speaking today on living with a broken heart. The reading today is from Psalm 34 from the new american standard version which is a little bit different from the bibles so please follow me along on the uh, on the screen psalm 34 this is a psalm of david when he feigned madness before abimelech who drove him away and he departed so david was in a little bit of a jam as we as we see here I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us all exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were irradiant. And their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those who fear him, there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days and he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and he hears and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against. Evildoers, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. And none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned.
1: I'd like to start by asking, how many of you have actually seen your heart? I don't mean on an x-ray or in a scan, but have you actually seen your heart? No, I never have. Oh, somebody has. Okay. So how do you know you have one? If you've never seen it, well, there are some empirical, actual ways. You can, you can put your hand on your wrist or in your neck you can feel your heart beating, right? I'm not talking about the emotional feeling, but just the actual sense of touch will tell you that there's something in there beating. You can also hear your heart if you have a stethoscope or sometimes if your head is over on the pillow in the right way of pressing your ear against it, you can actually feel the pulse of your heart. The heart is uh, the center of our being uh, in the Hebrew Bible. The Bible has a lot to say about the heart all the way through. And often people will think, well, the Old Testament doesn't have much to say about the heart. It's all about law and that, right? But if you look carefully, you'll notice all kinds of references to your heart in the Old Testament. And where do you think the, the peak of them would be? What, right in the Psalms. The Psalms have a lot to say about our hearts. There's a little word in Hebrew which is only two letters, but it has a lot of meaning packed into those letters. And it's essentially the, the letters we have for L and B, and it's pronounced Lev. And the the Lev in Hebrew has a lot of important Meaning attached to it. It's more than that physical thing that we can feel beating. This is our inner person, our mind, our heart, and our will, our soul, the tablet of our memory, our affections and our emotions, uh, our inclinations, our determinations, our moral character, and the seat of our pride and our courage. Our knowledge and our thinking. Okay, so I, we know objectively how you have a physical heart, right? You can do all these things to actually tell. How do you know that you have this kind of inner heart? Well, your mind will tell you that, right? Because that's part of what it is. And last summer we talked about what what is the mind? Well, the mind is the software that kind of runs the hardware of your brain. So your mind will tell you that all of this is true. But in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we have affirmation from God that this is the the kind of reality that this is the way he's wired us, okay? And this inner person of the spirit and the heart to God is the most important thing about the heart, okay? Now, we all know that the the number one uh, killer in America is heart disease, right? So we know that our physical hearts can be broken. We also know, some of us will know from experience, some of you won't have had it yet, but if you live long enough, you will, that your soul, your your inner person can be broken. And what kind of things can break our hearts? Well, let's uh, let's just look at the life of David. What were some of the things that broke David's heart? Well, how about the loss of an infant child? You know, his son that he had with Bathsheba. He also experienced the loss of an adult child, the son Absalom. He also experienced the loss of his closest friend, Jonathan. He also had a challenge in his marriage because his wife, Mikhail, despised him in her, what? In her love, in her heart. His wife despised him. He was abused by his boss. That's sort of a paraphrase of his relationship with Saul. He was betrayed. Um, he really, in essence, lost his job two times. You know, once when his son Absalom took it over, and then once in the context of this psalm when he just quit Israel and went over to, to serve with the uh, with the Philistines for a while. And finally, I would submit that perhaps one of the hardest things of all is that David probably in his heart lost a dream. That his dream of a peaceful family and a righteous, peaceful kingdom wasn't going to happen in his lifetime. Now, these are hard things that change our life forever. The, things about, the thing about them is that once your heart is broken by one of these events, it's never the same again. Life will, you cannot put these things back. You cannot bring the children back. You cannot bring uh, these dreams back once they're gone. The other thing about these kind of breaks in our heart is sometimes they happen instantly. Okay? That's happened to some of us. Uh, It's happened to me with my father. One day, everything is fine. Then there's a heart attack or there's a stroke or something. And then life has changed forever. And they happen instantly. Other times they happen sort of gradually. You know, just circumstances build and build. And finally things just, um, just basically shatter. But as Joe was saying at the beginning here, even though our hearts can be broken forever, the good news for us is that God is in the business of forever. Our God is eternal. Our souls are eternal. And this is where, uh, this is where we find a solution to how uh, do we live. Um, how do we live uh, with a broken heart? The other thing I'd like to just highlight here briefly is that you'll notice in the life of David... That some of these things that happened, you might say, were internal, okay? You know what I mean? Like, they came out of his, his own heart and the sin that he got entangled in. Some of the things that happened that break our hearts are external. They're completely beyond our control, okay? Saul was king before David. Saul kind of went off the rails, Saul tried to kill him. He had no control over that, right? He respected him as king, but that was something that was external uh, to his, his situation. He had no control over that. I would say, too, that the answer to how you live with a broken heart is both internal and external. And hopefully we'll see, see how that works as we go. And the internal part, I think, is really the heart of the matter, if you would. And that, that is about our, our relationship with God. So what I'd like to do today is, this, that's the end of the introduction. That's the end of the theory, okay? The rest of this message is all about application. How do you do this, okay? So the first thing um, is, just want to start with uh, verse 18. This says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, And he uh, saves those who are crushed in spirit. In practical terms, a a, a really beautiful thing happened to us. Once a a few years ago, we had this kind of a a forever change in our lives, one of these losses. And a member of this congregation sent us a card. And it was, you you can always tell when you go to the mailbox, right, what's the first thing you want to read? It's something with a handwritten address, right? Right? So inside this card was a beautiful uh, greeting, but also they had put in, just written this verse in, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now it wasn't as if I hadn't read that before, right? It wasn't the first time I'd ever read that. But in the context of this experience, uh took on a whole new meaning. But the, the, the thing here that starts uh, to make sense is when we realize, who is this Lord that is near us? Okay, who is this God? This is Yahweh. This is the creator of the universe. This is the one who made you and understands you uh, completely. Uh, This is the one who cares. This is the one uh, who is is near you. Now, there are things that will happen in your life that nobody else is going to totally understand. But the beauty, I think, of of god is that he understands completely you know what we've been through and what what our hurts are it doesn't depend on others there may be fault there may be blame there may be things that are beyond our control that others have done but that's not the point the point is that god understands and that god is near um god is near to the brokenhearted this this adjective near comes from uh, the, it's a it's part of the family of the word to draw near god is drawing near uh, to his people and he is drawing near particularly to the brokenhearted now the word here for brokenhearted um, it's a little phrase that has with it the meaning of to break in pieces i mean if you drop a cup off a counter onto a hard floor and it breaks, it's just broken. And it, it, you can't really put it back. So that, that's the ascent, the ascent here. He's also um, here to save those who are crushed in spirit, who are shattered and so forth. Um, the verb here is the same word, Yoshia. This is where we get the name Joshua. This is the, where we get the name Jesus, which simply means... The Lord is salvation. That's the Greek form, uh, form of, the, of the, uh, the Hebrew, Yeshua. Which is another uh, beautiful thing about this. The God is here to save us uh, from this condition. So I think, first of all, it's important to, to, to focus on, on God and the nearness that he has to us. It may be something we have to do daily. It may be something we have to do hourly. It may be something in the, in the, in the most difficult times when we have to do this on a moment-by-moment moment basis. But more than anything else in the universe, God wants us to be near him you know, and close with nothing in between. As David said, God is my refuge. He's my stronghold. He's a mighty tower into which we can escape. You know, in our deepest times of hurt and need. The other nice thing about this um, psalm. Oh, let me point out one thing before I forget too. That in uh, Psalm 51, David has been crushed by his adultery and the murder of Uriah. And we have this beautiful lament in which he confesses his sin. And at the end of the psalm, he uses the exact same phrases here. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, uh, you will not despise. The other nice thing about uh, this psalm is that not only is God near to us, God perceives our situation. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. Uh, God sees and he also hears. He says, and it, his ears are open uh, to their cry. One really important thing as a second step here is to realize you are not alone. Okay. While may, it may be hard for other people to understand exactly what you're going through, you're not alone. It says that the, uh, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. You might also say toward the righteous ones. So there are other people who care, other people out there. Uh, You may think they're few and far between, uh, but they are out there. The next thing it says uh, is the face of the Lord is against uh, evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the land. So this is about the uh, external things, okay? Now, you may not see uh, your boss as an evildoer, right? You may not see all of those things out there happening to you as necessarily evil. But I think the principle here is that God is going to deal with things. There's a a fancy word for this that we've talked about in the Psalms course called imprecatory Psalms. Those are Psalms that we don't read very much where the psalmist, often David, he's asking God to take action against his enemies. Now the key here, He's not taking things into his own hands. He's letting God uh, deal with the situation. Mm -hmm. So, those difficult things around us uh, that are breaking our hearts or causing us pain, God is aware of those, and God is the one uh, who will deal deal with them. The panim is is the face of God. I mean, can you imagine, this is the creator of the universe is against that kind of stuff, and he's going to deal with it uh, in the end the other thing here that's really powerful about this verse is not only going to remove the situation he's going to re- eradicate all memory of it uh, you know how the bible says he's going to remove our sins far away and he's going to stop all the te- the tears and the crying and the pain in verse 17 there's an important uh, thing we we learn here um The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Another way of maybe saying this is when the righteous pray, the Lord hears. So this is another practical way that we can deal with uh, the things that break our hearts, is that we can pray about them to God and know that he will hear. And the idea of deliverance here is, is like kind of snatching the prey out of the mouth of the predator that God intercedes in ways um, to to help us in his mightiness. Uh, All things are possible uh, with him. And finally, you'll notice in verse 19 that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The important thing here is that even though we've been through this one heartbreaking challenge and we've made it, that doesn't mean it's the end, okay? There may be other things that we see in the life of David. Um, and that's just how life is. But the promise here is that regardless of what is going to come, that God is there. The idea of an affliction here is kind of a narrow spot. It's like a, it's like a narrow place that you've got stuck in, uh, trying to get th- through a, a mountain pass or something. Uh, But God is is there to get us out of these, these dire straits. The final thing I just want to say about this is, every time you have a victory over one of these challenging experiences, it builds your faith. It builds your trust. It builds your confidence in God to go on. Now, I wanna just shift gears a little bit here to, to the external part. The, and that is that God has work for the brokenhearted. God has work for you to do. If you've had one of these experiences, he has things for you to do. And who better to help someone with a broken heart than somebody who's been through the same experience. Now, I discovered something in preparing this lesson that I had never noticed before. You remember when Jesus uh, started out his ministry in Nazareth? He went to the synagogue, as was his custom. The attendant of the synagogue opened a little closet. He pulled out the scroll of Isaiah. He laid it out. Jesus opened it up to what we know as Isaiah 61. And remember, in those days, even though the Isaiah scroll was 22 feet long, there were no chapter and verse numbers. Okay, You had to know your Bible. So he opened it up uh, to Isaiah, where we now know chapter 61. And in the the Hebrew Bible, it says this. The Spirit of of the Lord God is upon me. And let me put this forward. And the Spirit of the Lord, that's Yahweh, the one we've been talking about. He's upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus has a mission, and this is part of it. Part of it is to bind up the brokenhearted. All the nurses and doctors know that when you have a serious wound, what do you do? Well, you clean it and you bind it up. You, you pull it together so that it can heal. And binding is important in the Bible. Uh, you remember Abraham. The Jews called the story of Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac the binding. Okay? So he bound Isaac, but also a beautiful dimension of this is what? This was part of a covenant-making experience between God and Abraham, where God is binding himself to his covenant to bless him by faith and to have this blessing extend uh, through his people to others. This is part of the work uh, of the broken-hearted. In 2 Corinthians 1, we, we see the comfort that we receive from God is what we can use to help comfort others. Tonight, I'll we'll be talking a little bit more about this message, but also I'm going to introduce some other things that we don't have time for today. So if you are free tonight, uh, please come back, and so we can we can enter into more... Uh, learning from God and how how the Psalms can help us encourage other people. The good news, he says, I came to bring good news to the afflicted, you know, to those people caught in sin or in those narrow places. And what is the good news? Of course, that Jesus Christ came to die for us, that he was buried and he was raised uh, for the forgiveness of our sins. And that through baptism... We receive the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Yahweh uh, living in our hearts. And he says um, that this righteousness that we have now, okay, the Lord is near to the righteousness. This righteousness that we have is not our own. This is a gift from God that we receive in our baptism. And this is the the Spirit of God that will be in us uh, to live and to watch over us and to hear our cries. I included this picture here, and I'm not sure. It, 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 it's, uh, it's a picture of the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is a barren place. Nothing's living there. Nothing lives in the water. It's the saltiest water on earth. It, it's sort of barren, almost like, it's like a metaphor for a broken heart. But at the same time, it's a very strangely beautiful place. Um, you can see, it's, it's almost like a pastel painting. Uh, let's see. Uh, with the moonrise over Jordan. The broken heart is a, is a tragic place. But there, there are, beauty can come out of it. Mainly because of the God our God who is present. During one of the tough times in David's life, he had to flee from Saul and he had to hide out in the strongholds of En Gedi we learn that in Samuel so what makes the living at the dead sea bearable is the oasis and the springs of En Gedi so just on the north side of the sea there's this beautiful oasis with springs of water as god promised that bubble up for like eternally that create these beautiful water falls They've got about 200 tropical plants there, uh, 200 different kinds of birds and all kinds of plants in this little area next to this barren sea. To me, it's kind of a metaphor of how God comes, you know, to deal with us in those hard hard places. Um, I'll just mention one thing. Next Sunday, if you're interested in going here to En Gedi this year or... In a year to come, we're going to have a little meet in the library. I invite you to come to that. You'll, your faith will be built and you'll be truly blessed. But the thing I want to end on today is in the way that En makes the barrenness of the Dead Sea bearable. I think the presence of our God uh, makes our broken hearts bearable. It makes us possible uh, to live uh, with a broken heart. At the end of his life, after he'd been through all this heartache and all these things that happened to David, he was able to write Psalm 18, which is also equal to 2 Samuel 22 in your Bibles. And David could say uh, these amazing words. This is an individual royal psalm of thanksgiving. At the end of his life, after all is said and done, this is how how David uh, sums it up. He says, I love you, Lord, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, and my stronghold. Notice uh, all these different words he has here for for his God, his rock, his fortress, his deliverer, his God, his refuge, his shield, uh, the horn of my salvation. Uh, and my stronghold. Just I want to say at the end that I think, again, that this land is a metaphor for the nearness of God to us. That Yahweh is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you're here today uh, with a broken heart, Uh, that may be because of something you've done, you know, motivated by your heart inside. Uh, If you haven't been baptized into Christ and you feel the need to do that, you know what you need to do, we'd invite you uh, to come forward as we stand and sing our closing song. I'd also say if there are needs that you have, uh, that the the shepherds here can uh, pray for uh, and that we can help you, Please, please make those known. And God bless you as you uh, dwell with these powerful words.